you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Wow, that's a cool background. I tried to find something that had, like, game-ish type things, and that looks vaguely like meeples or game pieces or something like that. I'm not sure where it's really from. I was going to say, it's probably some slightly pornographic Japanese anime or something. That's true. Here's the (laughs) tentacle portal right over here. So that exactly. Right. All (laughs) right. I've got a small game update, but man, you had a big weekend with a big game update. So let's hear what's going on. You're probably eager to talk. (laughs) It was Mensa Mind Games this last weekend. And it's the first time that I've been in multiple years because of COVID. Even though they had it last year, for instance, it was we were still worried if there's any event that might be a super spreader event, it's going to be one where you're sitting at tables, facing each other, you're touching (laughs) meeples and cards all the time shared, you're eating together, that kind of stuff. And even then, we had thought that we wanted to go to it, but it turns out also my last year was when I was often going out to California, taking care of mom, taking care of the house, that kind of stuff. And it was exactly the wrong weekend. So Finally, Colleen, because this was in Columbus, Ohio, which is only two hours south of us, it it was very convenient for us to be able to zoom down there. It was wonderful. It was the biggest it's ever been in terms of people. I think it was like 389, almost 400. In the past, I think it got to be like 360. It seems to be based on what kind of hotel they get and what the main room is usually. In this case, the way they expanded it, it wasn't just the main ballroom filled with tables and chairs, but they actually took over all kinds of side rooms. And actually, that's better for some people because there's a certain din that goes with all those people being in one place. And even if you're concentrating and stuff, there are some games that are that make you break out laughing or that you just, you, know, you roll a bad, you get a bad roll. It's like, fuck! They had lots of side rooms. And in fact, also some are, it's necessary to have a different setup anybody who's ever played werewolf you play that with a series of chairs in a circle looking at each other and there was a variation on that called blood on the clock tower that was that and so that was actually a room dedicated to that for the entire weekend because you had to funnel 390 people through like 12 at a time you know what i mean that really needed a lot of coordination it was 56 games this year and the way mensa mind games works for those who are just tuning in mensa gets submissions from all different kinds of game manufacturers and publishers and eight to 10 copies of the game. They provide extra copies of the instructions so that it's not just one person trying to figure it out for a group of two, four, six, et cetera. They get put all A to Z along the tables and everybody play tests things. They have a nice randomizing algorithm that everybody plays 30, but it's not 30 of your choice. You're assigned which 30 you want to play out of, and in this case, out of 56, you're playing more than half of them. We've had as many as like into the seventies in the past. So Besides the ones you're assigned to play, I always end up playing things just that I'm interested in or that someone else needs to finish their set. And so I play another extra dozen, 15, 20, depending on how much time and sleeplessness. I'm really yeah, doing. yeah. That's a lot of game. It a lot of it's like anything that you do a lot of. At some point, you're kind of like, I need, I'm done with gaming. Even though you right. love the game, doing it so much can be yeah. wearing. Yeah. Uh-oh, did it freeze? It can be. So what? one of the things that assists in not letting you get 
a, a little bit of a stutter there. Yeah. Because the games are of all different types, instead of being, okay, I'm going to play only world conquest games. I'm going to play only resource management games or word games or party games or whatever. It isn't that. It really is random in terms of everybody has to play whatever there's assigned. And so even people who love abstract strategy games, they still have to play the kid games or the puzzles or the word games right. or whatever else it might be. And that's the whole point of this is out of all those votes, everybody gives their top seven on a ballot and all those things are tabulated to find out which five are the Mensa select games for the years. The ones that everybody says these really are. And it's not just, I like it or I don't. There's judging criteria that are set out for aesthetics, quality of instructions, re replayability, play value, those kinds of things. I'm sure I'm missing one, but it'll come to me. And in fact, I, can I even go over here? I have my little spreadsheet that I can pull up. So <laughs> let me just, let me grab everything and unhide all my columns. Come on, buddy. So yes, they are aesthetics, instructions, originality, play appeal, and play value. Okay. And then an overall category so that after you put in five points for each of those various different things, there are some games that even if you can't, this is straight out of, are you a deconstructionist or not? It can be that you score things on each of those different things, but the score really doesn't matter how much you want to play it again, how much you're willing to pay for it, that kind of thing. So there's an overall category that you can put points into that as well. Definitely games range from 10 bucks to 140, if I remember correctly. Ooh. So there are some things that are out of quality of materials or out of the amount of work that went into making this thing come in. Some things have literally a single sheet or a sheet printed on two sides. Others have a booklet, a pamphlet of 78 pages right. that go to every one of the charts that say, hey, when you're traveling across this terrain and you're under this kind of monster and here's your, they have all that detail, some of them. And so you play and play. Another cool feature is that after everybody was uh, if you get randomly selected, for instance, one year, Colleen and I went and we had like none games together. Wow. And it's kind of, we enjoy each other's company. We don't want to play everything together, but it's also it's as much against the odds of getting everything to, as it is to get none. So we were <laughs> like, okay, see you on Sunday. And, and so it, what they do now is groups of people, two, three, four, five, six, can ask for a greater number than ordinary set of games that they match on. And that's not changing the randomness of it, but it is looking for sets of things. So we played with two other couples whose company we really enjoy, like the first eight games of our 30 that by coincidence, they happen to match. And even then you look for who's got five out of six, four out of six, and then you stick around. Like I was saying, I did the blue sheet is the ones that you're trying to concentrate on. The yellow sheet is the ones that are all the other games, but you don't have to play. And yet, I like the company of certain people and I don't mind. I, I, I do that. <laughs> okay. So it used to be only Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it, uh, getting through 30 games in two and a half days was a big task, like sleepless nights almost. Now that they've added Thursday and they don't start Thursday at like after work, they started at 10 in the morning. So it was very easy to do 10 games a day. That's the pace that Colleen and I tried to maintain. And I think we we're actually ahead, like 11 on first day, 12 on a th second you also concentrate on what are the games that are going to be hardest to get through. The ones that take maybe 90 minutes yes. instead of 20. The ones that have four to six to eight players instead of two. And so we really did, it's fun to just dive in, but also in between, you're always thinking, I'm going to put one or two or three stars on these things for if I don't get to Acropolis, which requires six players or whatever, it'll be hard to get that people together later when a lot of people already have played it or whatever. So there's a certain amount of, strategizing about getting through the game it's well, the meta game for gaming so, exactly and i don't know i've been 
it's kind of funny. I don't mean to sound murder-y, but almost every year I help a lot of people that don't. I, I am, Colleen and I are both so much spreadsheet kings and queens that you just automatically look for in what different ways can I sort this so that I get an idea of what are the ones that I critically get through instead of just, I'm going to start at A and go to Z. And then you find out that all those W games are bears to get through and now you're trapped. (laughs) We had a wonderful time. They had food available, hospitality, the usual snacks and drinkies, and also meals in the hotel. So you didn't have to go off site, which can take away an hour, two hours, depending on whether you're driving or walking. And it's funny, we had actually a bad patch, we played a couple of the worst games in our first sets of games. Wow. And so we played a game called World Cup that was just, there's nothing new. It's tedious. They're, they're they're trying to simulate like the World Cup matches and how you get to, and it was, they picked the wrong things to emphasize. They There was like the wrong amount of data for what you were trying to get through. I don't know. It just was not well balanced, if you will. And so you're ready to go. And then you're getting a couple of things. Is every game going to be like this year that everything's become data heavy, that everything is, it didn't turn out to be that way as well. Then you have a great set of half a dozen games where you're laughing and like you get insights into, you know, this, I know how to, this works. I know what the winning conditions are relatively early. Some are just beautiful to play. I always love as you walk back and forth to go to the games table to get the next game. Of course, you're glancing around you. And like one year, Quirkle was one of those that immediately it catches your eye. Bright colors, beautiful patterns, a mosaic forming on the right. table. There wasn't, so far as I could tell, a game this year where it's a, like a party game where everybody's cracking up, everybody's laughing. And that bursts out off in a corner and you're like, oh, well, I want to play that. Let's go over there. <laughs> <laughs> so there wasn't anything like that this year, but there were, Tons of quality games. And then, uh, just kind of walk through it. So everybody plays and plays. You try, every turns in your balance, they tabulate. And then those games are given away. They have, a like, the hosting group, in this case, Columbus Area Mensa, gets to keep a copy of each of those games. So for all the work and volunteer time and rigor that goes into this, getting about 56 new games is bountiful. It's fantastic if they're trying to make their games collection grow. The national office also gets us that because they're going to take them to the AG, with our annual gathering coming up in July, but everything else is given away. And in some cases, manufacturers don't just supply the minimum eight. There was, I think, Spy Alley, if I remember right, gave away like 14 copies. And oh. one year we had like of someone who was trying to seed. If you're looking for who are the influencers in the gaming world, mentions are a pretty good bet. And right. so give away 30 copies of a $15 game, 40, 450 bucks is nothing in advertising if you will compared to if people like it they'll tell their friends right so then they also have a randomized drawing of everybody in order from one to 389 and then back around so 389 and then 389 again and back up so that the first one's called get their choice of whichever game they want and people do it on the basis of this is my favorite or this is the most expensive one or this is the one that's going to be perfect for my kids all kinds of criteria for that Usually, of course, the Mensa Select games go quickly. And in fact, the winners this year, if I remember right, let's see, where's that list? It's Acropolis, it's Boop, it's Mele Fiori, it's Trekking Through History, and why am I missing one? Isn't that funny? Let's see. Ba-boom. And Gartenbau. And they're really a very good variety. Some were like a beautiful diagram type thing. Some were just a card game that has great twists to what you've played before one is a city building game with unique tiles and you have to make sure there's a, the city features of you need water you need police you need the barracks i should say those kinds of things and so it really seems to work that you balance out all people's tastes and interests and all that kind of stuff and that the choice is hey everybody for christmas here's what mensa thinks are the best game of this year right. and really 
we've hit, we've done, Ratsa has done very well. Past winners are something that have become classics, like Scattergories. And I should be able to just rattle them off. A whole bunch of different things are, you should have them in your family game collection. You know what I mean? Colleen and I were not lucky in the drawing in terms of, we weren't called until the 200s and 300s, but Luckily, our taste does not always match the, everybody in the crowds. And I and it's funny, I always do a huge spreadsheet. I keep track of everything that I can, not only the ones that I and she have played, but also the buzz, the rumor of, hey, I didn't get a chance to play decorum, but a lot of other people liked it. And so then I do a little, I laugh about a fun per dollar thing. I'd rather get a copy <laughs> of a $50 game than I am mostly positive towards than a free copy of a $15 game because I'm going to go buy it. I'm going to go right. buy it. I'm get it for 12 You know what I mean? It worked out great. We didn't get any of the Mensa Select games, but on our list, we got numbers like one, two, five, and nine. We got, because we, we were late in the 200 and 300s, and then we wrapped around again to get two games each. So we came home with, here, props. <laughs> <laughs> Show and Sashibo, tell. Sashibo Battle Shapes, which, Ooh. and it, you, you wouldn't know it from the name of it, but it's, one of those cool, like a Rubik's snake type things where it's triangles that are connected together 3D and they have different colors on the various different sides. And so the challenge is to make the top or even the entire thing have a certain pattern to it. Red versus black versus gray, that kind of stuff. And it's a great combination of just a fidget toy where I'm going to put, I should have it out on my desk where you just kind of play with it and then let it sit because it's symmetric and beautiful. And, but then to try to get it purposely into something, you really have to think of how does this work and tie together? And it really, I, I love puzzles like this, but right. there were any number of times when I'm like, wow, I'm so close. But then kind of like Rubik's Cube, in order to get to the next step, you have to undo three or four or five plies moves so that you can flip it inside out on the one thing and then put it all back together. And of course, sometimes when you're trying to do that, you get lost in the details. <laughs> I randomized it. I didn't help it at all. You know what that <laughs> sounds like? You know how... It, it, everyone finally figured out that all this Google CAPTCHA identifying streetlights and bikes, it's to teach the AI how to identify <laughs> it. So that exactly. game is maybe it's got a small little AI in there and it's teaching everybody how to be safe crackers, like to be able to pick locks and stuff. That's what like it that, is. Hey, we're going to conquer diseases by knowing how proteins fold. Yes. It's a simulation of that. I really, so I guess that, that was, and actually this was my top choice, but Colleen got called first. And she's my total sweetheart and got it for me. Nice. So then so then I had to, she really liked Four Corners Galaxy. Dun, dun, dun. There we Let go. Get in on the camera. Isn't that funny? How does it decide that it's too Because it's got black. That's what it is. This one, it's a, a very cool thing. So each of, it's got square tiles and you make a tableau of them. And then the tiles have a, a celestial body in the center and partial ones on each of the corners. And you're trying to make it so that you can get three in a row or four in a row, kind of like Connect Four. But, and it's not only, it's rows, columns, and diagonals, but any of the combinations in the corners, you have to make it so that those four corners all match. And then there's not only are you placing tiles, but you can, you get, you draw cards that you can shift them, or you can trade places, or you can rotate them. And so it quickly goes into combinatorial explosion. You have a, just three, four, five tiles down there, and you really have to think about what's the next one I'm going to place, or trade, or move, or that. And I, uh, honestly, I usually see quickly deeply into what i'm shooting for but then if you've got three people playing there's no way that it will be in the same configuration as what you want it to be right. and so it really is the a little bit of luck and a little bit of trying to keep track of all the ways in which you could get ahead and then take advantage of it when it occurs you know what i mean right. and it's beautiful at it without i'm trying to think it looks like 
this oh when yeah so let me again we're dealing with the black yeah <laughs> like that see so see how the cards are some are matching and some are not right and, and while you're playing it this is might be the bright colors on the table game that i did want to get like quirk okay and what you're saying about the game describing it for any other game players any developers out there that's the key more often than not it needs to be simple gameplay that becomes almost emergent that can have a million combinations because that's what i mean magic the gathering the card game is a mensa select game back 25 years ago exactly. and everybody's oh it's too hard blah blah i'm like actually it's not if you know how to play magic the rules are very simple but where it gets complex and the fun part of it is the cards each card does something different and then the interactions with the cards so yes Absolutely. it can get complicated like flux People are like, it's so confused with flux. I'm like, it's simple. Just don't overthink it. Just read the board when you're playing. And that's a key to games. Honestly, that I compare it to some people really like where you have a plan and you execute the plan step-by-step step and you win. Others are, I'm going to observe. I'm going to observe what's going on and each time make the most incremental progress towards victory that I can. But I know that I can't commit myself to any certain plan. I have to all be aware that the world shifts. And there were many that were exactly like that. And in fact, one of the cool ways that we, in fact, here, I'll show you the next one. So we got a copy of I think it must be like Sam and Max and whoever contributed to it. And it's all black. Wait, let's see if I can get it to tune in. There we go. That's what it looks like. It actually comes in this handy trash bag. <laughs> and so people were immediately mocking of it. And Colleen and I sat down to play it. And on, honestly, this is one of those polarizing games. We had half a dozen people unbidden come up and say, oh, you're going to hate this one. I hate it this way. Like they... You're not supposed to try to influence others, but of course you do. You tell people who, which ones they can look forward to playing and which ones are like, eh, it didn't work for them. Everyone really reviled this game. And then Colleen and I sat down and was like, actually, this is cool. It's tic-tac-toe with variations. There's not only one board, there's nine boards that are each three by three. And you not only win by getting three in a row, column, or diagonal, but you can get it where it's a corner or where it's they don't touch. You know that it's one here and in each of the corners. And don't get a chance to just place your X's and O's where you want. There's actually three different tile types. And the one you have to place, you get by rolling a random a, a die. And so all that just lends enough to, you can't just make a plan and then crush your opponent with it. You're continually like, I really need an asterisk and I'm not getting an asterisk. So I'm doing other plans over here. But while I'm doing that, and I'm then I'm like, am I trying to win or am I trying to thwart her? And how much the balance of that, it just turned out to be like, how could a game of tic-tac-toe surprise you? <laughs> this one could, because like after you get, after somebody wins the game, not cast, but wins the game, you claim that. And then you're playing kind of a meta game of where are the tiles? And is there a thing that they start overlapping between the sets of nines? And I don't know. We just thought that this was like an adult child game. You're thinking not only of, do I like playing it, but can I bring this to a family gathering? So we're right. thinking we're regularly to get there with Colleen's sisters and they don't like word games as much as they like card games that have a fun little random matching element or something like that. So there's one that we, it was called, what was I thinking? That's just like a verb and a noun and you shuffle those two decks and you flip them over and they make things like name an intelligent animal or something like that. And so it's, I'm going to make a pun out of it, smarty cat or something like that. Or is there really, well, besides human beings, is it whales or dolphins or white mice? You know what I mean? It, we really, and it goes fast so that you don't have to like commit to, there's some games as usual 
where they're the big dominion type game. You're going to get a lot of cards and build a lot of things, and you're going to put together winning victory points out of resource management. And you got to commit to an hour and a half, two hours to get to the conclusion of it. Some part of how we, we had to play test games was you do the setup, you play a couple games to see what's going on. And then you say, will any of the intermediate moves turns be different than what we've already done what is the end game involved and then you try to push towards that how do you simulate the end game and see how much would you accumulate and what would be the master stroke that would get you there and stuff there's a i don't think we gave any game short shrift there are some games that was like after two moves you're like wow this is it there's not much else going on one not only are you looking for which games you love but which games not you wouldn't even take it free magnetar was one that was like it's kind of really pretty, has different stars that have different positive or negative scores, a kind of energy to them because of whether they're a Nova or Exploit. And it's, but it was just kind of like playing, turn it over. Did I make it to 100 yet? No, go again. Like it was as simple as that, like playing war. Nothing to it. And, but there's others that betray their interesting complexity. We love one game called Ecosystem, colon, Coral Reef where the cards are like nine different cards. And it's, so oh, there's coral and there's plankton and there's krill, there's sharks and whales, there's clownfish and eels. And you build an ecosystem in your set of 25 that the points awarded are, if you have this next to this, they symbiotically get along. And so you get points. If you have a predator in the same row where they'd be able to like, like sharks do, swoop in and get something, you get points. It really teaches the cool lesson of one guy specialized in whales, had a whole bunch of whale and a whole bunch of krill, but the monoculture that could be killed off by whale blight or something like that doesn't get as much points, as many points, as if you really build a diverse interacting ecosystem. And it's, and while you're playing it, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? It's all colorful cards and the eel looks really just like eels do. And It's so- actually an effective way to teach ecosystem rather than, because a lot of educational games suck because they are too hitting you over the head with lessons and it's it, they're not exciting. L- let me interrupt before Absolutely. I forget. Heavy handed. I mean, the yeah. whole point of this is to... Right. So here, let me make two quick comments you made me think of. I want to jump in. So about the game that everyone said, oh, we don't like. A lot of times perception of the game influences whether you like it and understanding what the game is really trying to accomplish. An example I have is Magic the Gathering is basically an advanced form of war. You lay down cards, your cards are bigger, you win. That's Magic. There was another card game. I met the people, they were from Euclid, and it was a trading card game, but it was based around Euchre. It was a trick-taking game, and the problem was they didn't, explain that well enough to come out so when we were playing it with people are thinking of it like magic and the strategies and stuff aren't working and they're like this game's stupid it sucks but once you realize oh it's like euchre instead of war and you treat it like that suddenly it's a whole different game so i think some that's a big thing is getting people to understand what your game is absolutely do it one of the joys of getting through your list of 30 is then you can play whatever else you want and because you're not judging, you're just playing. We, the Mensa has probably a dozen good game explainers. Instead of sitting down and from the 78-page booklet, trying to dope out how do you set it up and all that kind of stuff, someone that sits down and says, this is a resource management game. And so the point of getting victory points is to accumulate them. And the way you do it is this. And what you're trying to stop others from doing is this. And like they give you the key victory conditions and elements of what you're thinking while you're playing. And that cuts through the first hour of setup in some complex right. games. 
like the hunger, like Milifiore. I'm trying to think there really are like Milifiore one because it's really well balanced in terms of you're growing up in, in Renaissance Italy and you really can be a tradesman or a voyager or a, a wealthy gentry, but trying to hold on to your land. You can, and so the kinds of things you can do in each of those areas, you're making incremental progress in each of those things. And you really don't know, again, based on some kind of randomness, what you're going to have to play and then do the best you can with what you get, if you will. So it, we, as after we had gotten done, sometimes we were wonder, it was wonderful to have someone explain things to us to get to, then let's play. And sometimes it was us explaining. Um, yeah. After we had liked some Axabizo more than others had, when people asked us about it, then it was like, it's this. And the reason we found it cool is because it's got these additional complexity. And then what's fun is sometimes you get wonderful feedback during the games and you're aware of who's getting what, because like in your local group, you want, don't everybody get the copy of the thing because we'll have three of that. And we won't have, but a father and son that we had explained the game to, they end up getting a copy. So apparently our explanation helped them to play it in a different way than other people right. play and be more satisfied. With right. it. So right. cool. And um, the other thing I was going to comment on about playing with people and I, there's lots of games where it's kind of one strategy, Candyland, and there's other games which you can have different strategies. Magic's a perfect example. There's so many ver variations. I have a friend who we chuckle about his strategy for any game he plays from Magic to Dungeons and Dragons to board games, card games is always the same to build up big power, play a big army and defeat you. And games that don't do that, he doesn't like. He did not like Dominion when we added in curses because it took away his points. And we didn't have a lot of cards that let you play more cards. It was very hard to play it because you didn't have as many combos. And he didn't mm -hmm. like that because he couldn't build up. So he didn't like that game after that. But the thing is, knowing this, I use that against him for some of our card games. I'm like, okay, I know Brian's going to want to play big stuff in this. So I'm playing, I can, the one Star Wars card game, he plays these big ships and he wants to just pound on you. The problem is every ship can only fire one time. So if he has one big ship and I've got seven little ships, my seven little ships will go first, defeat his big ship. And then he gets all ticked off because he didn't even get the fire at once. I've got 12 dice here and I can't even hit you. Yeah, because I right. hit you seven different times. And you know? You're a dreadnought and that means you you take your turn like the Queen Mary. You're yes. not maneuverable and sometimes that's what matters. Exactly. Right. And that's some of the most fun games is ones you can have variety on and play different ways in different times. Catan is a good gateway game for that because it's got a few strategies that you can employ to be a little bit different when you play it for people. That's right. And, and we've talked about this before. You learn so much about people by how they play <laughs> games, like your friend who is an accumulator and a holder honor, if you will. Yes. And wants that work to matter. And there's other, I don't know, everybody seems to have this concept of the rules Nazi. They not only care about the game, they care about playing a game exactly by the rules. And sometimes the rules are written, written a little ambiguously. And yes. yet, You've got 400 smart people in the room, but they're certain that they know how this should be interpreted. And so is it worth the fight? Is it worth saying? I don't think so, because like how I always do it is it's not only what it says, it's how would that aid gameplay or how would it hinder gameplay? And that's the one that I want, how I want to interpret it is to make it a funner game. And some people can't get past, it says should instead of could. 
Or <laughs> and we, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the DC deck builder because I got that whole Kickstarter. We've played some, but that's one of the problems with that game is some of the wording is ambiguous. It makes it like, should we, especially when you eat combos, Magic the Gathering, on the other hand, they very specifically after version six went through to create wording that you knew exactly what it did and when. And That's even right. if it's new cards, cards you've never seen, you haven't played in a while, you can almost every time do, figure out exactly what's affecting what and how things what are playing because yes yeah, and it's yeah. not just that they, they use colons they use commas in different ways they use certain keywords at certain times and other keywords at other times play as opposed to enter the battlefield that's two different things uh, right. gaining a card is different than buying a card yeah so i don't know we over the course of this is event has been running like 30 years now right. we've kind of learned who we want to play with and not and what kind of people we want to play with and not and sometimes people portray themselves soon enough that you're like i gotta go freshen my drink <laughs> i'll see you we do have things we could play together but i got other friends i want to play with and they still have games that we match on and i'm really not a jerk i don't say i don't like you but it really is that part of the enjoyment of the weekend is to not get trapped with some like for instance if you got a game where everybody takes turns and there's a certain assumption that while you're sitting there and other people are taking their turns, you're still looking at what's going on. You're right. playing ahead. And so when it comes your turn to play, you don't put down your book and say, where are we? You've been thinking ahead and you take your turn. For the love of God, play. You yes. know what I mean? And everybody who doesn't do that, who doesn't seem to tune in between, or if they, this is a minor case of that, somebody had a big plan and then it gets thwarted. And all they can talk about is how good it would have been if they would have been able to make their move. That is not available. That move doesn't exist anymore. So, so move your on. contingency plan? Is your life <laughs> like having no contingency plans? You're either really happy or you're distraught over it didn't work out. And I mean that, yeah. that, that the others that are, they're rushing, they're rash about how they're moving things. And sometimes it's, they complain about, I didn't know that was going to happen. So we all did. We could see that coming a fucking mile away and you just didn't bother to think ahead. Well, and and oh. you get the ones that, that not every game is chess. Not every game do you have to sit there for 20 minutes agonizing over everybody else's possible moves. Right. You know, right. Lux is a perfect example of one that you can pay attention but don't really make plans because it'll all change by the time it gets back to you anyway. Yeah, and yeah. But you also, it's one of those games where it doesn't matter to take forever to play a card because again, things will change. Mm -hmm. It's just such an interesting game in that respect. Deck builders and trading card games, that's some of my favorites. There's a little bit of some strategy of what are they buying and what are they playing? Right. But, if you're but, paying attention, then yeah. you got an edge because I don't know. You and I both have good memories. We used to play a game called Acquire that you know has building hotel chains and you trade in stocks and you and it's never trying to make your one. I want Continental to grow and take over the world. You're always trying to be in on the deals because that's how you get more cash to be able to be flexible in what else you buy. And not to be a jerk, but like it's seven people and there's seven four. Let's say four people and there's seven different stocks. And I could probably tell you hardly ever missing who's got what because they buy three shares at a time and you keep track of, I care about Continental. So who else is buying it so that I can stay in the majority position? And, and that's just part of what you do. There should be no surprises. And I don't know, we don't, I don't take notes of it, but it's just, you think about what matters to you and pay more attention. If you're yeah. playing hearts, you pay attention to hearts and spades because that's where the queen's going to come from. And those right. are where the points are coming from. And 
so we we saw that also regularly that some people were really good about they could you probably have seen the movie rounders the guy could say you probably have a straight that you're going for the ends and you're not going to get it because they already out one card and you've got three of a kind, but you're trying to push me out because you think I might get the straight. And he just went around the table and said, not only what they had, but what he thought their strategies were. Bam, accurate. That's a little bit of what you're trying to do in the game is not only right. play the game, but play the players. Read what they're trying to yes. do. You know what I mean? Gina, so. <laughs> when we used to have a clue. That's another one of those games that I don't pull out and want to play often because it's just, there's much better things that cost a lot more money for me, (laughs) but (laughs) Gina and her kids liked clue and we had the Scooby-Doo version or something like that. Okay. She was magnificent at that game. I'm looking at my card. I've got two or three weapons. I've got two or three people, two or three rooms. I'm like, okay, I'm getting close. I'm, I'm getting an idea. And then she go, okay, I solved it. And I'm like, how the hell did you do that? I'm like, right. and she's because I got this. And I'm like, wow, she could, and with just had notes all over paying attention to what everybody was doing. And, oh, it's probably that. It's probably that. And she got it. I'm Isn't like, that wonderful? Wow. I love, Colleen is so smart. And, but, and I know that, but it's still wonderful once in a while to be just impressed. There's a game called Tribond. It's 20 or yep. 30 years old now. You try to find the thing that links three things together. And I'm pretty quick at that, but she's amazing at it. And so it's really good for me to get like my ass kicked, get humbled once in a while <laughs> and realize that whatever I think about, hey, I got a great vocabulary, so I'm good at all word games. I'm not the only one. Colleen's really good at Scrabble, really good at Quiddler, all those things. She does word leverage. It's wonderful to see someone stretch. Like they, this is funny. There's a game there called Catapult Feud, where you actually are, you have a little catapult, a working catapult, rubber band, little black cannonballs or catapult balls. And you build a little castle and you put your men on it. And then the point is to shoot balls at each other, hopefully not putting one's eye out. Right. And, And so I'm like, I got good eye hand coordination. You actually handle the catapult and aim it. And so we're, you get like four cannonballs and I was like one and two and one and so I was I had her on the ropes I had gotten she was down to one and I still had four and with one shot she just blew my castle up and got all the guys knocked off it's like I've been pantsed I was ahead and she just master stroke killed me and it was like good for you I don't have any ego in this it was just very cool that she really every time she shot she got better at how much to pull back, where to aim, that she, the stereotype would be any ball sport, a guy is going to do well and the ladies not so much because they just haven't done that as much until you go up against a lady soccer player and they will <laughs> kick your ass. It was very cool to have Colleen. She's a good shot. How cool is that? Only Annie Oakley. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, that there's also <laughs> something, I'll give Colin kudos. That boy, when he was a little younger, we played a lot of games. He got some games that are his favorites. And when he was younger, especially even now, he has the time to take a game and just dissect it. And he sits in his room. He used to play some of the card games by himself. And okay. he, what combos worked and who, how many cards are in there with this? And his brain clicked to a completely different, higher level. But the he's problem is, moves in his pocket, and he's ready to wield them on you. That yes, this and not <laughs> only. For the games he studied, but it's like the mechanics. I know if it's a worker assembly or a build up game or it's a card game, I know these are the mechanics. So here's the how to make those mechanics work the best. And his brain just clicked to a higher level. The problem is he's grand champion at a lot of these games. I don't even want to play you because (laughs) you've played it a hundred times. I played it five. So, you know, I'm still, and it's been three years, so I forget half the strategies and stuff. So 
right. when you play them, it's like close, but it's like some of the games you play is all right. I got 47. That's my high score. You go. Yeah, I got 79. Screw you, man. Yeah, it's not close. It's half again yeah. as much. Exactly. Or but like on that. the flip side, too, when he's playing, he's not being real social. He's staring at the game. He's concentrating, watching everything. And he's got his yeah. moves meta. So yeah. to me, that's not as much fun. I'd rather lose a game every day and enjoy being with everybody and having a good time. Yeah, It's funny. We've played. There's also like a relatively new phenomenon when, let's see, the island game. A couple island games came out where it was a cooperative game instead of a competitive game. Forbidden Island, Desert Island. The game, Stranded on a Desert Island, you have to escape. And Pandemic was like that. Yeah. And there are so people, some people that are so inured in its competition, not only in the game, but in their life, that every time that they do something without consulting with others, or they do something that you can tell that it really doesn't aid the group, it's specific to them. You have to continually hold them back from the other frame of mind and say, but if you do that, then I can't get through. She can't get the resource. The overall of us trying to get ahead and not have the building go up in flames. That's what matters here. Not that you can escape there. I'm sure there's a variation of this game where it is about who gets out and you know what I mean? Yeah. But that is this game. This game is about everybody gets out. No man left behind that kind of thing. So we had some evidence of that where people they're, they just don't, can't easily toggle their mind into a co- cooperative way of thinking. They're not chatty, perhaps. They're not. They're so used to keeping their plans to themselves so they can't be thwarted that when they try to talk about them, thinking of this and this, and what does everybody else think, it's really hard for people to reveal because it, it comes across to them as vulnerability and right. and copping to, I've given you, I've given it away. And that's exactly what you have to do in some of those games. So right. that was cool to see. I love that, those kinds of games. It's a refreshing change to play that instead of every man for themselves. Or yes. So I'm trying to think. The like I mentioned, besides Boop or Proclus, Boop was probably the cutest. That was the one that everybody said, "Oh, you wait until you play." It's a little game. There's an eight by eight grid that is a quilt on a bed, and there's cats and kittens, and they jump up on the bed, and then if one jumps too close, boop, it moves the other cat or kitten off. Like and one jump, one off fell off, and the others rolled over. <laughs> <laughs> and so and, and everybody after a while you weren't saying boop you're going boop you know what i mean everybody kind of said it the way you'd boop a cat on the nose and it just was the cute game of that kind of happens once in a while that what's the most beautiful one what's the cute one what's the i never played anything like this before and so i have that kind of thing of what game made me laugh out loud what did i think was really beautiful what had the in, inner message that they're not heavy-handed about every kid's going to come away going oh it's better to have balance and things like that. Colleen and I, I'm going to show the last one word up. Yep. This is just, we, after we had gotten our top three and it was going to be Colleen's choice, she, we hadn't gotten her a word game and we, she loves those. And so out of what I had played or read about, like this is a relatively cheap one. It's probably a $15 one, but compared to one called one word, which was quite pedantic, it really is meant to teach vocabulary, yeah. but it's kind of like for junior high and high school and not to be weird to Colleen and I we would be past that you know what I mean so we tried to get something this or word heist or not one word that was the pedantic one we just said then let's take something home that we're going to pull it out the next day and play it you know what I mean let's get something that isn't about maximizing value and stuff like that (laughs) so in the overall just had such a wonderful time and have I not only did I we win these four but I bought three more for us that were that look worth the money if you will one I haven't bought yet it was called painting the roses it's based on Alice in Wonderland the queen saying off with their heads etc cetera, etc cetera. 
and it's beautiful. And it's like in one of those where the little pieces are 3D printed. So it really looks like a white rabbit. It really looks like the Red Queen. And the way you place things, it, there, there's deductive logic involved. You can not only tell from where someone places something according to certain rules, but if they didn't place it over here, then that negative information gives you information as to what it must be. Nice. And I love those kinds of things. And Colleen is really good at them too. So while we were playing, it, it, we could say, this is something that, We'll enjoy playing, and we'd have to be careful how we introduce it to people that they just want to throw cards. They don't necessarily, but if they get into it, it really is cool to exercise your brain in a mathy way or in a logic way or in a in ways that you don't necessarily nowadays get as much a chance to do that. So there were a couple mathy games where you have four dice that have numbers on them, and then you have to make an equation that'll get to one of the numbers on the board. And I've always been really quick with that. Oh, seven plus four plus four divided by five is three. And look, three is right there. I hope I, hope I just said something that was real. I think I did, <laughs> right? 11, 15 divided by three. Yes, that's why. <laughs> but to see that, another, we were looking sometimes, we have nieces and nephews that are now having kids. And we want to be the gamey aunt and uncle right. that are going to be introducing <laughs> games. And then if they get better, you, and so it, we were looking for things that what could adults and kids play and not think the kids are just going to be, I'm getting steamrollered. You know what I mean? Adults just know more words. They know more trivia. They know you right. got to have something that kind of equalizes it. Sometimes it's the random drawing of a card, rolling of a die. And sometimes it's just, look, I, uh, one of my nephews is named Nick and we we're playing Abalone. If you remember this, it's black and white and you push and move and we're playing and it was pretty standard the last time we played. And now we're playing and he's, he does a move where, I let go, he's really getting it. He's thinking three moves deep. He set a trap for me that if I go to the obvious thing, then boop, push, and he wins. And, it's, and I just got, and one of these things where I look up at him and he's looking up at me and smiles and says, today you are a man. You're, 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 your brain is working at a higher level. How cool is this? Yeah. I really was so happy. Like when kids, you tease them a little bit and they get almost pissed because you're laughing right. at them. They don't realize you're teasing. You're laughing with them and they could rejoin with another pun another little zing and so when you first see a kid gets a sense of humor it's a breakthrough for me because a sense of humor makes everything easier it's a sign of intelligence it makes every conversation playful instead of only information exchange you know what i mean and that's a lot a little bit of what i'm looking for in games too is What's it going to do to contribute to the betterment of humanity? You know what I mean? Right. If everybody played a resource management game and then took that game into their life, they wouldn't go into debt. They wouldn't buy a crappy car or a crappy watch that's a depreciating asset. They think of what is an asset. And right. I'm being handed here because not everything is a stock market game. And yet you got to hope that those little hints can become bigger thoughts over the course of time that they'll see. Life right. isn't only about being able to afford more and more expensive meals. If you take care of the, the necessities of life in an inexpensive way, then you can get the special things, exactly that sweater that you want, because you didn't have crepe Suzette every night. You had beans and rice and saved right. a ton of money. You know what I mean? Yep. So anyway. So, so about the family game. So first of all, I noticed we're both preparing for winter since we had our two days of summer. Now we've <laughs> yeah. got winter coming again. In, in um, winter, exactly. Yeah. That. <laughs> but I know a lot of parents... When they have kids, they don't play a lot of games because all they know about is Candyland and Monopoly and Hearts. It's all oh, that's the games. But if there's pass on to people with kids some of these cooperative games because kids do get them like Forbidden Island or Forbidden De Desert. That's what it was. Forbidden. Yeah, those 
are great and pandemic even for slightly older kids. And there's a few other good ones out there because they're not competitive. So you can help the kid and it's helping everybody on the board as opposed to trying to play a poker or hearts or rummy where you're looking at their hand, what they have. So I know if I play this, it's going to defeat them. You don't want to do it. That's right. I always liked teaching the kids how to figure it out themselves, making them think and do the game. And that's where some of these cooperative games are really good because mm -hmm. pandemic's a great one. It's an educational one because you see the spread of the disease and, and everybody has to work together with your special skills to defeat it. And let me tell you, you cannot always defeat it. Honestly, we we did Pandemic Legacy where it's 12 months. We played one, one a month for a year and we were sitting pretty or so we thought by months 10 and 11 and then things went to hell. We, we lost, we, we get two chances to, and we lost twice badly. And we were kind of just like, uh, how could we have done that any differently? We really had just the right roles, enough re power, resource, placement on the board. And yet, if the world, if that was to happen, you get a two front war from both yellow fever and red death breaking out, you really might strain resources. And, all you, and it's also... You have to be perfect everywhere. All it has to do is find one opening and boom, it spreads. And those are great, terrible lessons to learn about. That's how we have to run the world. You yeah. can't have unlimited airfare. You can't have one guy that has to get to his high school graduation, but he's patient fucking zero and infects the continent. You yeah. know what I mean? So we also, adults mostly, probably 10% kids. And even then, they're not necessarily playing kid games because little smart mensons are little adults in a lot of ways. But while you're playing the kids' games, you really are thinking that, oh, what's the intended audience of this? What's the lesson that it teaches? Is it still fun? Like you say, if you want to play a heavy-handed thing, I sure am learning history. I sure am memorizing dates. Right, yes. It's not. So there's a game called Fast Trek, really good. That was, I can see how kids would love this. There's a game called Outnumbered where you use like a superhero heroes and villains motif, but it's still got enough math in it going on and a little bit of intelligent board placement as to don't let things creep us further down the board, get them early. So there's a little bit of prioritization going on. I could see a couple of the kid games were still, they really would be good for that transition between five to 10, 10 to 15, 15 to 20, whatever else it might be. When do you get to a college game? When do you get to a, I don't know, I, the games themselves usually have a little suggestion as to how long will it take to play the age range that it's intended for. And sometimes when it says all, it might not be the case. Sometimes when it says like four to seven, it really is meant to be four to seven. It's a kid's game. I'm trying, I'm, what is, I'm, is there anything else I really wanted to mention? Like Fuse Countdown is one of those cool things where you roll dice and there's a whole bunch of different dice. There are colors and numbers and uh, features. And then you have, everybody has a little card where you're trying to make patterns. These three total seven, or you stack them on a pyramid. It has to be in this order and you're all playing together. So you get, you roll the dice and then you try to make it so that uh, everybody gets at least one because there's a penalty for not doing that cooperative. And there's a timer going on. And so this is by definition, limited in amount of time that you're going to be playing this. And it's not meant to make you frantic, but it is meant to say, everybody keep in mind, like if you claim a die, you're also glancing around and you're saying, what are the odds of him getting the six that he needs exactly versus I don't want to claim the six if he really needs exactly it. I'll wait for any black six. And right. it, so that's another one where I, I think that it will, it will teach kids about don't only stare at the table in front of you, keep a little bit of track and be willing to make. And also as you make 
maybe multiple sacrifices, if you will, of, well, they needed it more than they needed it more than me. But then if you're getting nothing done because you're martyring yourself all the time, you have to be a little bit more assertive and say, I'm falling behind. I really need to get some of this done because with the amount of time we have left, how am I going to fill my two cards? Both of my cards are like five dice, not three. There's a social dynamic going on as to how to put in a bid and not force it one way or the other, but how to appropriately say, I need help. And out of that simple of a game, maybe I'm making more of it, but I don't think so. That's what right. you learn is when you lose one time because somebody was really good at claiming what they needed and everybody else got screwed. So is this guy the 1%? He's the fucking sociopathic greedhead that's going to, I got everything I want and you guys can go scratch. You don't want to teach that lesson, or at least you don't want to make it. That's not a way to win. We did not win the game because somebody sure had their cards full, but that, that is the way to win. <laughs> anyway, let's see. Don't Cross Me was funny because it had letters and numbers that you play like rummy sets, either three in a row or three of the same kind. But there's all kinds of penalties for you doing various different things or you get cards that you can play penalties on other people. And they were snarky. They were written very, written very wittily to be able to say, like, when you lay it down, it's, ha-ha! And, you know what I mean? Little, not meant to be crushing blows, but just, it's not only you get a little, it's a, a little irritation. And then, are, like some people, as a game player, they are happy to do what they want unless somebody crosses them and then they're determined to get them back. Some people really have that vengeance, you know what I mean? And this game absolutely invites, if not requires it, of everybody in the game. And so if you're that kind of person, you're going to love this game because you'll have to. Part of the game is getting back at other people and knowing that if you offer first offense, you can expect to get it in the face. Someone's <laughs> going to come after you. So it's, nice. there's, I, I don't think I'm being too preachy. That's what you learn about people is how what they are when stressful situations are given a time thing or a let's see garden bar was beautiful mosaic was beautiful very much better some games are much better with multiple players because it's not only about the combination of what can happen but you introduce more pieces and mosaic which is two is black white and gray boring you break into colors and then you have well the red and the yellow together make orange and then as you play that it's a much more beautiful blossoming of the game and i some things i think because again from time pressure colleen and i played probably half a dozen things where we did each other's and then filled in for each other and it might have been that we should have sought to make it a four or a six to just get a fuller version of the game and that we were underappreciating it because it really isn't meant to be a two-player game mm -hmm. when you have it that no matter what you do, they're going to go right after you. It eliminates that randomness of it'll be three people's turns before it comes back around to me. How do I plan ahead that much? Or how do I not plan? Because I know I'm going to get thwarted. All the things we've already talked about. Anyway, some that were one called mind management, where you're a spy master that's recruiting other people. And there's rogue agents that are trying to track you down. And the game is very different if you're that recruiter versus you're through those rogue agents. I think it's much more fun to be the recruiter that's sneaking around and escaping than the rogue agents who are like trying to discuss it could be here. And then if they get you, then they, yay, we win. And if they don't, almost always someone says, you could have had him. The little blame game kicks in. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's funny. I, anyway, the roles that you take on can be, if it's not native to who you are, I could see that being very uncomfortable. And most of the time people graduate to, am I going to be the supplier of resources? Am I going to be the one that shoots? Am I going to be the, you know what I mean? It's, it's fun. We talked about this a little bit before when I play my Dungeons and Dragons games, 
I, there was a time when I was like, well, I'm a big guy. And so I'll play the big guy because I'm familiar with being the big guy. It's such a refreshing thing to be, but I'm also a smart guy. So let's play the magic user or the cleric. And once in a while, I want to play the thief or the demon hunter in, in Diablo terms, where you're shooting at range and it matters how fast and agile you are, not how much of a tank you are. And it's cool to put your right. head in right. a different space and the different way. I like that, that games are a chance to take you outside of yourself a little bit of role playing, a little bit of the world isn't always who you were, what skin you were born into. You know what I mean? And right. that's that's nice. <laughs> Agreed. All so. right. So I sure did talk a lot. I'm sorry. No, yeah, I expected <laughs> you, you had a whole weekend of gaming. That that's a big part of life. <laughs> really was fun, and we'll do it again. Colleen sometimes gets she gets more worn down by the work of it. You know what I mean? And she doesn't like playing all the different kinds of games as much as I do. One of the, but I think that the bad first day was so much when she was saying, this is why I don't want to do this because this is shitty and the games are shitty. But then as it got better, we'll see if I can lure her to come with me or whether it's going to be, Luke, why don't you go off and do that four day thing? And I'm going to take baths and I'm going to go (laughs) walk on the beach and I'm going to relax and watch chick flicks and read my books and stuff like that. So it could be, that's going to be ushering me out the door type thing. She's going to be retired next year. You know, the time pressure of work is no longer there. And where is mind games next year? I don't even know. Actually, they're still taking bids, I think through the end of April. So for the first time in a long time, they didn't have the announcement of where next game is i don't know i I, they didn't even announce who was bidding for it so we'll see yeah she could come along and she might have some exciting museums and tours or something to do too a city she hasn't been to we have talked about that i really like when i go play pinball you know what i mean it that she doesn't want to do that but hey if we're in pittsburgh she can go to the college of knowledge and the zoo and all those things you just said while I go and teenage it up over here playing my, my <laughs> pinball games and then get together for dinner and relaxing in the evenings. You know what I mean? Right. Except pinball. I play until 10 o'clock. You know, she really would be a pinball widow. So. <laughs> Isn't that a who song? Pinball, pinball widow? Widow. I think so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I had some gaming this weekend and actually it worked out well because we had a major website go live on Thursday. So I would have been having problems if I had traveled down to Columbus and that. So it worked out, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, though I probably would have pushed just to change when that went live, but whatever, (laughs) it worked. In our area, there used to be a place called the Malted Meeple. And me and the kids used to go there. It was a great place. It was one of those you could go in and just borrow games and sit there and play. Um, like a gaming cafe is a, within the last 10 years or so, a new phenomenon. That yes. That's the point of going out, have a sip of drink, but many good games there. The best part of this one, though, was they had amazing milkshakes. That was like their claim to fame. And they were like six bucks. So when I took the kids and I told them two milkshakes only, I'm still spending 50, 55 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It was a good time. We <laughs> always loved fiction. it. Well, now that's a $5 shake. Okay. Yes. So they, multiple people closed last year. <laughs> it was very sad. COVID hurt them. They struggled oh. to stay open, but yeah. they did close and we missed them. <clears throat> but there's a game store up in Akron called Full Grip Games. And Colin and I went there I don't know, three or four years ago. And we walked in and it literally was like one table with five games stacked on it. And then some magic cards in the thing. And I'm like, yeah, okay. How, yeah, how we don't need play? to come back here. Yeah. Surprise. They're not only still around, they probably have the biggest selections of games to buy in the area now. 
out of the three game stores I go to, they have the most games. So I walked in Friday night, I was meeting up with some friends and I was like, this is not the store I was in before. It was wall to wall game. And I was like, Oh, this is not good. This is bad. Yeah, my it's, wallet. What's gonna yes. <laughs> it was like, it was every, it was like two or three copies of every expansion for dominion and everything. So the reason we went though, is because they just opened a board game cafe and it was called the green dragon Inn, and it's connected to them. And we said, okay, let's check it out. I loved it. It was a, it looked like you were in D and you were stopping at the inn with adventurers. They had decorations. It was really a nice place. You're frozen a bit. Oh, sorry. What the heck? I have Sorry. nothing running. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I've got only the spreadsheet that I was referring to. Otherwise, I killed off everything. Okay, uh, uh, It just popped up and said my internet connection is unstable. So I don't know if it's my router or, I, or it's just internet that sucks around here, which it probably is. Anyway, so like I met... It's tavern. It's like a, the Bard's yes. Tale tavern. Okay. Yes, very okay. much. Nice decorations. It, they didn't have the milkshakes, but they had lots of alcoholic drinks. And they had games to borrow. They had 700 games to borrow. Wow. Um, yeah, they have a back room. You can rent 25 bucks for two hours or something like that. And people okay. go play D and stuff. Um, clubs can rent that place and have a central location to yeah. gather and a big table because sometimes you need that. Okay, yeah. Yes, and that is the one complaint I had about this place. They had normal tables, like a bar or a pub. So booths with tables and stuff. And there were only three of us playing and we were playing DC deck builder and we didn't have enough room on the table. And Even so, then didn't have enough room. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So the tables really could have been a little bigger there. And there's a lot of games I can think of that I'm like, yeah, we wouldn't be able to play it here. The table's yeah. not big enough. So we were meeting up to play the DC deck builder, which I've got pictures. I'm going to put them up on our group. Tons of cards. <laughs> when you opened the box, like you said, you were getting the Omni collection of everything. Yes. So, like, how many expansion packs? 20? It, I, it, I was it was, I think, seven big expansions and a smaller expansion, a whole bunch of promos, and then a mat and some extra bonus stuff. And it, it was just ungodly amount of stuff yeah. all that is once. a cool feature of games where it's not only the game itself but they actually have it expansion packs are to be expected they're one called sherlock files where if you solve the three cases that are included then you're done with the game of course it says more things coming and then that's one of those you get a couple new ones each year and it keeps the game of right. encounters long ago was the first one that i knew that was like that where it wasn't just the initial set they added one and two and three Good other stuff. sets that really added to and changed the game yes. in a different way. So anyway, yeah. okay. So we played one of the newer sets. There's a video game from DC called Injustice. And okay. you it's a battling game like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, but it's all DC characters. So you can be villains and superheroes. They put that into the card. They made an Injustice set and we played that. And it was a lot of fun. We had a great time learning how to play it. Yeah. Good time. Love the Green Dragon Inn. So then on Sunday, Colin and I played the same set. And Colin and I played impossible mode where we added the, <laughs> everything to it. I didn't do that Friday. We were discovering the game and they're game players, but not big game players. So Colin and I, oh my gosh, it was a blast. We had such a good time. So it's like street fighter video game, but as a card game. So we're attacking each other and trying to knock each other down while still battling the foes. And the arena itself has things that can happen. And there's you no know, events that pop up. And so it was just trying, oh my gosh, what? it's just 
it was really difficult. We didn't win the game. He had more victory by a little bit, but okay. overall the game defeated us. Okay. Fun, fun expansion, Injustice for DC Deck Builder. And then we also played the new Star Wars Deck Builder, which I was hesitant about. And you understand why. Because Star Wars has the Rebels and the Empire. Right. So you have two sides. And pretty much any card game with Star Wars, you have cards for the Rebels and cards for the Empire. And they don't mix. You might have some bounty hunters and neutral cards that either can have, but everyone has their own cards. So any game like that has to be balanced in some way. If the Empire just has all this powerful equipment and big ships and stuff, they're going to win almost every time. There's not some balancing factor for the Rebels. Yeah. And especially in a deck builder. This one I was hesitant about because there's only certain cards you can buy, only certain cards I can buy. So it has to be like, you have a card that has a four hit point ship. I have a card that has a four hit point ship and that's boring. So we tried that and it was fun. There are some flaws with the game. The empire really does have an easier time to uh, win. Once they get to several rounds in, they're just lots of ships and stuff like that. And it's really dependent on what what the movies are about is that the rebel really have to be ready to say it's long odds. I got to make the perfect shot. I got to, I got instead of overpower. So it it captures that even though as a a game, you don't necessarily want that. You want it to be where there's a chance of winning. Yes. Okay. And, And it is a deck builder. So you have a row to buy and Thunderstone has all the cards available for everybody starting at the beginning. Whereas most other deck builders, you add to the row as things get bought. So the problem in that comes in, in in this one, not all like that, but in this one, the problem comes in is if out of the six cards, if four of them are all Imperial, my choices are limited on what to buy. And if I can't buy them or they don't fit what I'm doing, it doesn't help. So He's buying two or three cards. I'm not buying anything. He buys two or three cards. I buy one. He buys two or three cards. I may buy. So that's one of the problems. So hopefully this is one of those games that come out with expansions that come out with more cards because it's good, but it needs a little bit more. Needs balance. Needs needs some. Okay. All right. So I had some gaming anyway, not as much as you. My brain's (laughs) didn't ooze out my ear, but the DC deck builder, I'm, I just have it sitting on the table. I'm like, let's see who we can invite over or Colin, you're not doing anything. Let's play a game. I paid for this stuff. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I should mention, by the way, is because you just said it, there's ways in which these games can be improved, added to, et cetera. That's one of the opportunities of this whole thing is you fill out comment cards that go back to the manufacturer for every single game you play, not only the ratings, but like comments. And so I was regularly looking for, what have we already talked about? These instructions were written a little bit ambiguously. This is unbalanced. The boy, this, your the money you're charging, I expect higher quality, or this is, if this game is supposed to be for kids, but it's got flimsy pieces or things you could swallow or things you could snap off you've got to work on that you can't just have something that billy's going to be disappointed because i played it twice and then it broke you know what i mean so that's really i think that most of these games i used to think that we actually did things on a pre-release basis so i actually put that in one of my posts about it and then my friend nevin corrected me and said no they really are all out in the market maybe not sometimes they're kickstarter and indiegogo and stuff but they're really all available and then i hope version two the second printing is where they'll actually correct some of the imbalances, omissions, whatever else it might be based on it. I know we've seen a couple times that they really did do that. 
that the second version after I hope us, maybe many others gave him some feedback, they fixed what was wrong. There's also been some where one game long ago, they had like really beautiful metallic balls that actually like made a little glissando noise as you moved them. But then the production version was like plastic and not something you'd leave out on your desk and invite commentary. It was cheap and it had been a $90 game. And I think it was still a $90 game, but for things that were cardboard instead of uh, uh, marble. It just, what a bait and switch. There's been right. a couple that have been like that too, that in order to keep production costs down, they made it that it wasn't of the same quality. Right. I love games where while you're holding the piece in your hand, it feels good. One called Kowale that was like little, relatively shaped rocks, kind of Mancala, but it just feels good to have a little worry stone in your fingers while right. you're waiting to play. You know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> Hive is like that. The pieces for Hive are fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. they could very easily print a version of that's just cardboard hexagon pieces. And it would play fine. But there's something about the weight of those pieces and the thickness of them and, and clunk when you put them down. Exactly. Uh, you know. Going to a casino where they really have clay things and versus plastic, it just right. feels totally different. Long ago... We, I had a regular monthly poker game, and on one of my trips to Vegas, I had actually got tiles, uh, chips with AEB on them in my colors and good clay, so that when we would regularly take money off the table and play with chips instead, it just felt so great to get that little clack noise of throwing things into the pot, or like when you can play all the... Have you seen people like on the poker tv shows they have all these little hand tricks where they yes. like flip this, move it around, and, and it like... and these chips invite that they invite you totally with them you know what i mean so anyway, nice. totally by the way is like a, a german family word that i don't know that anybody else in the world uses it it's what my mom used to use when it's like a cat that's trying to get something under the door his little paws coming that's fodling <laughs> so that's cool. whatever you're doing so... <laughs> there's anyway, our word of the day <laughs> there's our word of the day exactly yeah, yeah. so good gaming weekend all around Absolutely. One of our more focused shows, but with every good reason. We yes. just have had a fun, immersive or discovery experience. And but let me take two minutes. This doesn't happen spontaneously. The people that put this together, the national office really does a great job of collecting the games and making the lists up. The local group, James and Rachel Nelly and their kids were fantastic hosts, tons of volunteers. Somebody has to keep those munchies and drinks stocked in the hospitality suite. Somebody has to negotiate with the hotel to make sure that you have a variety of tables so you can play the variety of games around. Right. And so it really was easy for everybody to just sit down and have fun and concentrate on what they were there to do. The temperature in the rooms was right. The number of the amount of space we had for the number of people was right. Hats off to all the cool people that were involved yes. in making this. Matt, the IT guy from the national office was, I think, I, the national office's guy on site. And he just, he knew his stuff. He knew how to arrange things. He knew how to, questions got answered. Things got taken care of. And like I said, James and Rachel were, they were perfect hosts. Hats off. And I, whoever was involved, Laura Mitchell is our RVC for Region 3. And she was involved in some of that coordination. And the volunteer. I just, it's so nice when people put, I think, for instance, Carl and Laura, didn't play games or they played casually. They, didn't, they weren't a judge. They were too busy doing the hospitality aspect. And that's asking a lot of someone who yeah. likes playing games to instead stay in the background and just make sure that everybody gets all the peanut M&Ms they want. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, so, yeah, that's a job. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Metza. Thanks. Thanks all my friends that we had a chance. Lots of good friends to play with. Lots of new friends made. I just, it, it hasn't always been good. Sometimes it was the wrong combination of too much pressure. This was a joyful year. And we actually, Colleen had 
because she took four days off with me and she had stuff to get ready for Monday. We like did the Irish goodbye. We left right after the game giveaway and didn't do our usual of hugs and goodbyes and stuff like that. And sorry, everyone, that we didn't get a chance to say thank you for your game. You were such good company, all that kind of stuff. Because usually we do that. And I don't want people thinking now we've become, we got our games. We're the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, more and more in this episode than I usually do. It's the enthusiasm. <laughs> Gaming <laughs> must do that to you. <laughs> That's a, a different section of me comes out. Yeah. So I'm glad you had a wonderful time. Green yes. Dragon, to make sure I visit that. Yeah. And, maybe sometime so, we'll meet up. Old down there. is the one that you said. Yeah. Is like now wonderfully stocked so and, I'll, I'll take a and for the dc deck builder they've got oversized character cards that my sleeves don't fit and i can't find sleeves so i was looking i asked him they said oh we don't have any that's weird and he looked he said okay they're this size he says if you want some i'll order some and we'll have them i'm like please do so that was cool and real quick one more shout out before we go i put it up on the group i i fell prey and i backed another kickstarter but this wasn't for a game it was for game uh, a supplement it is these plastic see-through placeholders and card holders and piece holders so it works it's universal works with whatever game and they stack and connect so you can put all the card things there and easily pull the cards out and they don't get knocked over and drinks spilled on them. And the pieces, all the pieces are in different spots. You're not mixed just all over the table and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So See, that's really in the era of 3D printing. I'm surprised it took as long as it might have to get people to start producing. These are the perfect little token holders. These are the perfect yeah. card separators and stuff like that. CBH has done a couple things like that for the trekking through history game is like the fourth in the series. The first one was trekking the national parks. If I remember right, right. she made it where the little holder that goes around, like pretty much made it so that they'll stand up better. A little holder for a piece that is a better enough weight on the bottom. So it doesn't fall over easily and just such a simple supplement, but it really makes the game better. You know what I mean? So I'm right. hoping that all of us gamers who have all those little complaints that they can throw things out into the make sections and the Kickstarter sections. And someone goes, I got a, a 3D printer. Let me crank some out. Do you like these? And that could be a whole little side business for yeah. people is those kind of supplements. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, cool. Okay. Good talk, man. Love it. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. We'll see you in a week. See Very good. Week. Thank uh, you, Stephen. Tell Colleen said, hey. Okay. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week. <laughs>